Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for being with us. And uh, second second Sunday in a row that our team has been here together to view because one, one of the three of us have been sick. So we're grateful that we're with you. Uh, looking, uh, talking to you about evangelism. Uh, another area of the big five, uh, we've been handling uh, worship, fellowship, discipleship, today evangelism, and next Sunday ministry. And remember the big five, we see this as a daily practice, something that you practice daily and you can easily, I say that easily, work this into your day. We're going to be handling Acts 4.12 today as our text. Uh, let me read it to you. It says, there is salvation in no one else, this is all pointed to Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to people uh, in which we must be saved by it. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak it to those who are watching or listening or both. I know you look at all of us, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher. And uh, with me and on me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody watching or anybody in this room. And I know that and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. Evangelism is a mandate of just telling the good news. We see it as a part of the big five that I've given to you earlier, uh, worship, fellowship, discipleship, and evangelism. We believe if you do discipleship properly, then uh, the other four of the big five naturally occur. If you do discipleship, worship will happen. You do discipleship, fellowship will happen. If you do discipleship, evangelism of sharing your faith will naturally occur, and the same goes for ministry. Uh, back in the 80s, I wanna say mid 80s, I, I learned uh, a definition of evangelism that it really has become a standard. If anybody uh, does a little bit of study in evangelism, it's given to us by D.T. Niles. And he said, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's the simplest definition of evangelism I can give you. I, like many, when we heard it for the first time, latched onto that because it gives a great picture it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We certainly have our marching orders from the Lord to go and tell the gospel story and the good news. And in recent sermons, we've really been hitting that about going and going and doing. And we're in a series called Hear, Go, and Do out of James 1.25. And that is about we, we all begin by hearing uh, and then we transfer we hear the gospel, we respond to it, and then we transfer to being doers and to going and to doing. So we understand this, you know, people talking about um, go and tell, whatever. It is really simply you sharing the good news as you go. So let's just begin with the good news message. We've given a series recently called The Gospel, and it is about how from the very beginning, even with Adam and Eve in the garden, processing all the way to the return of Christ, that he has a plan of rescue for us. Uh, he, has a, he has a good news for us and that the picture of this is all wrapped around Jesus. Jesus is salvation. That's where we're gonna begin. This salvation story, this story that we share, that we're mandated to go and share, 
is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. His own name means salvation. His connection uh, with the beginning of his name in the Old Testament with Joshua, Yeshua, meaning salvation. The mission he's given that name describes his mission to come and seek, save those that are lost. So this is where salvation begins in the very person of Jesus. I already read to you Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, meaning Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we may be saved. Um, he is, he, there is no other name in which you can get this salvation. There is no other way you can get this salvation. And you have to be reminded it is our only chance, uh, our only chance of, of living eternally with the Lord and living abundantly with him here. Romans 1.16 says this, that Paul wrote this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. I, I am not ashamed of this story. I am not ashamed of God's story of rescue. If you really don't know what ashamed means, let me, have, let me give it to you this way. It really means embarrassed. I am not embarrassed by this story. We may be in a group of people, a peer group, whatever, and uh, here you are, and you could be the only Christian in that group. Uh, and, it, it, and it comes up, somebody points out that you're a Christian. Uh, and there may even be an opportunity for you to share in that environment, and you don't because you are embarrassed by it, you, you being the only one in that group. Um, Paul says, I am not ashamed, I am not embarrassed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation and to everyone who believes. So secondly, I want to point out to you is in Acts 1.8, which we've used a lot, said that we will become witnesses, but before that, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want to go back to Romans 1.16. It says, uh, I am not ashamed or embarrassed of the gospel because it's God's power. I want you to rest on that word power. And then Acts 1.8, I want you to rest on the word power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses. Listen, guys, listen. I don't live this Christian life because I will it up. I, I have to will it up to go to the gym. You know, I don't, I don't there's times... I, I mean, like people go, isn't this fun? <laughs> I don't think it's fun at all, but it's something that I need to do and I need to do consistently in my life. There's some days I have to just will it that I'm going to do this. Uh, this is not what we're talking about here. We, I wanted you to see the word power in Romans 1.16. I want you to see the word power in Acts 1.8 that it is God's power that we have to be able to share the gospel. There's a transition that happens within us that we're able to boldly share the very truth of who God is. I want you to see in Acts 1.8, the word witness, you, and this power has come upon you, you will be my witness. Witness is the word martyr. It is the word for martyr. And if you are a martyr, you're willing to die for a cause. And the picture here is that it, the power that God gives you to become a martyr, to become a witness for him, and some of this witnessing has created Christian martyrs. They've died 
for sharing their faith. But if you're a martyr, it's a cause you're willing to die for. And that becomes true of the gospel message. The picture is this. I, I am a witness because I, I, am a, I, I, have a, I have a message that says, I have been enlightened. I have seen the light. I'll just help you out. We'll go back to old Hank. I don't mean Hank Williams Jr. We'll go back to Hank Williams Sr. and you already know where I'm going. I saw the light, right? Well, it gets to the point that I've seen the light and I've seen the light and the goodness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I can't hush about it. I can't be quiet about it. We are empowered. Romans 1.16, it's God's power for salvation. Acts 1.8, you will receive power and then you will become a witness. Uh, this is a cause that you're willing to die for and you'll do it uh, locally, you do it through your state, through your nation and through your world. Uh, it becomes that, it beca it, it, it's what happens to us. I've seen the light and I want others to see the same light that I have seen as well. I, uh, I, I read a lot and it's called alwaysbeready.com. It's just all one word, alwaysbeready.com. And it is, a, uh, it is a website of apologetics, and it was started by a man named Charlie Campbell. It's in, in abbreviation, it's referred to as ABR. And I read that a lot because I don't have to read a certain book. I can just read articles, and it just speeds up my reading time. And you can go there and just go through a whole menu of things and be able to read them. So I was reading through this, and uh, Charlie Campbell on his on this ABR or alwaysbeready.com uh, gave the fears of people having sharing their faith. The fear of what will people think. The fear of rejection, which can kind of overlap into timidity or being shy. Uh, the fear of not having the proper answers. Uh, the fear of hurting a present-day relationship, and even the fear of losing a job. And I want you to know that I'm not going to make light of these fears. I believe they're real in people, uh, but I don't believe they're necessary in people. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. Paul says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or fearfulness, or even the word says timidity, meaning shy. There's a, there's, a, there's a hint in all this that Timothy may have been shy, but one of power and love and sound mind. Now, hang on. I want to go back to Romans 1.16. For I am not embarrassed of the gospel because it is God's power. I want to go to Romans, I mean to Acts 1.8. But you will receive, say it with me, power. When the Holy Spirit has come up on you and you'll be my witnesses. Remember, we're not willing this up. We're, we're not just driving ourselves to do this. We get God's power. I want you to see 2 Timothy 1.7. I want you to focus on the word power. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of, say it, power, love, and a sound mind and a sound, and a sound judgment. Uh, I want you to be able to see that. How do we do this? 
I mean, could I say, well, I'm shy, Jeff, um, you know, to a pastor or anybody? Yeah, you can say it, but it's not a legitimate excuse. Why? Because God's power overrides all this. Absolutely overrides all. It gives us one of power. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 4 and 18. And I'm, I'm hopefully going to give you something here that you can really work into your life and help you out a little bit. A little bit not that I'm a self-help preacher, but this, this can help you out. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love cast out, you may have learned, or drives out fear because fear involves punishment. Well, let me just stop there. If you've got a fear of what people think, um, it could be the, the fear is based in they will punish you. Uh, fear of rejection, fear of not having the right answers, because if you don't answer right, God will punish you. I, I won't go through all those when it comes to that, but I wanted you to be able to see that. Perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. So here's the key to this. The key is that if you have fear, it doesn't mean you don't have love. It doesn't mean you have a full understanding of that love, and understanding becomes the key word that you underline. There's an understanding that we have of love that overpowers or drives out fear of being able to learn and to know that. And the enemy is gonna tell you that you're not loved by God, you're not loved by people, and you, there may be some people you're not loved by, but I'm gonna tell you something. Uh, God will push people in your life that will love you. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, God will show you his love for you. So when we don't have a, a full understanding of that love, whether it's from God or from other people, then it brings fear. And it says perfect love, a complete love, an understanding of that love drives out fear. So if you want to handle people who have fears, then really begin with showing them how much you love them, which should already be part of our character anyway. Uh, it's exactly in 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear or fearfulness, but one of power, and here's the word, love. We love people and we let them know we genuinely love them. It cast out fear. Uh, be able to use that. Love is a way to get fear out of your life and a full understanding. Listen, I do know the Lord, and I know I know the Lord. I'm not saying I'm a perfect pastor. I'm not even saying I'm an adequate preacher, but I know the Lord. Nobody can take that away from me. I know how he has revealed himself to me, and I know it was him. It wasn't my cognitive development. It wasn't me talking to myself. It wasn't anything else. I know how God has revealed himself into my life and I know what he's done for me. And in my life, it's fact. It's absolute fact. And I want you to know I can't be silent about it. I want other people to know the love of Christ, the way that Christ has loved me and walked me through every single thing of my life. I want everybody else to know that love as well. I can't be silent. You're going, well, Jeff, you're a preacher. That's your job. That's why we hire you. That's why you start churches. You do, no, that's not it at all. The key is we who know the love of Christ want to share that with all generations of people and all nations. 
the love portion is what I want is what I want others to know the the how much they're loved and it takes out the fear and uh, I want to remind you you talk about what you love yeah. you, you talk about your kids because you love them you talk about whatever because you love them and you talk about what you love and I when I hear people talking about the Lord then I know there's a love for the Lord there Charlie Campbell gave me something that I want to share with you and it is a it's it's a it's a visual that you're not going to see, but you can imprint into your mind and you can imagine as I say this. And it goes this way. It says 155,224 people die every day throughout the world. This is throughout the world. He said, if you line up uh, this estimation of 155,000 people, the, the line would be 59 miles long. Now, you, you can think of what's 60 miles from here or wherever you live uh, in the line. That's how many people die every day. I got to looking at some mission organizations and I came up with basically around the, the lostness, people who are not connected to Christ. Now, I'm not saying the church, I'm saying to Christ, are around 40%. And that's pretty much across the board. Some may be 42, but I'm, I'm just going around the 40% mark. So out of that 155,000 that died daily, there's about 62,000 of them who died not knowing the Lord. Guys, listen, I don't want to be real old-fashioned with you. I just want to be real. And uh, we can kind of we can pretend like hell's not real and it's not going to happen. And I, I know that God gave me a revelation of that, even in, in the way he pursued me. And I know we can, we can as younger pastors, and I'm not one of them, uh, I know we can get into a phase and a culture of going, you ought to choose Christ uh, not to avoid hell. And I'm going to stop you right there. One of the reasons I chose Christ is because I don't want to go to hell. Uh, now, on top of that, I've built his love for me and I know the promise of eternal life, and I also know the promise of abundant life. And I don't want to give one preference or the other. Sometimes we think that we have to choose between eternal life and abundant life. I don't have to choose between the two. He said I can have both of them. Now, in my maturity, I know that. But I, I don't want to go to hell, and I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And I realize that the, the number of those that are dying of 40%, uh, around 62,000 daily, that die without Christ are. Uh, Charlie Campbell gave this other picture uh, of the world. And the population of the world is uh, 7.8 billion and some change. Um, and the 40% rule in that would be about 3 million, about 3.1 3 billion of those people are dying without Christ. But here's what he said about here's what he said about the the people that are without Christ in the world today. Here's what he said about them. If you line them up 2 feet apart, give them space. He said the line would be 2 million miles long. Now I just told you out of the 155,000 that died daily, that line would be 59 miles long. If you put up a line of people who are without Christ in our world today, out of the 7.8 billion, 
the line would be two million miles long. Uh, it would wrap around the Earth's equator 84 times. Just think about that. Think about that. E even investing our money in things that don't even go to the gospel presentation in the missions throughout the world, which we do as our church. We try to, to provide missions locally through the state, through our nation, and to the world. What are we being able to reach? And in America, if you use the stay around that 40% rule, uh, it is 131.8 million in our nation who don't know the Lord. Listen, he saves us and he empowers us. I could start with this excuse and that excuse. I, I've studied James McGrady, who was in the revivals in Logan County, actually a Dareville where Laura, where uh, uh, Tyra and her family go and do ministry in a Dareville. And uh, James McGrady was there in that area and sparked two great awakenings there through the Gasper River Church and the Red River Church there in Logan County. Logan, Russellville was known as Rogue Harbor. And if you had a felony in the 13 colonies, you escaped to Russellville and you hung out there and it was just full of every kind of crime. And James McCready left North Carolina to come there and preach. Now, I want you to listen. This is it's truth. People came to hear him preach because he was so ugly. Now you stop and think about that for a minute. They wanted to see how ugly he was. And they would come to being just curious and they would hear the gospel message and they would be preached. Listen, you could even use the excuse, nobody wants to hear me, I'm ugly. God used an ugly preacher to be able to start one of the greatest awakenings in Kentucky. And you're thinking, no, the Cane Ridge revival was greater. They may have had more people, but over 20,000 people were attending his meetings in Adairville, Kentucky. And a preacher in Cane Ridge heard about it, and he went down there to see what was happening with James McGrady and brought it back to Cane Ridge, and then it started that awakening. But it was really birthed out of the ministry of an ugly preacher named James McGrady. Uh, imagine that. I can use all kinds of excuses. I could say I'm country as cornbread, which I am. Nobody wants to listen. It's, we've got to tell the story, okay? We've got to wipe out the fear, and your discipleship is going to move you to know how much God loves you and how much other people love you. And when God shows you that love, it's going to wipe out your fear. It'll even wipe out my excuse and your excuse to be able to let the world know of a gospel message of who the Lord is. We do a lot of sharing on social media, especially on Facebook. It's the most important share you can ever have is to start having spiritual conversations with people. I've been often asked to come speak somewhere and they will give me this mandate. Uh, they will go, just come tell us the one thing you would want your children or your family or your friends or your colleagues to know uh, what's the one thing you want to know? Have you ever thought about if I only had one message to give people, I was only allowed one message, what would it be that I tell other people about? I have to tell you, it's not about how to invest your money. It wouldn't be Dale Carnegie, how to, how to win friends and influence people. 
What I have to tell you is, I have to tell you the story about how we messed up and God sent a rescuer and his name was Jesus. There's no other way you can be saved than through the name of Jesus. There's no other way you can be saved than through the person of Jesus. And he is our only chance. And I want you to know him. I want you to know him. And I want you to surrender to him. The message that I have to give is you must be born again, right? Through our Lord. Acts 4.12. Let's leave with this and spur our evangelism. And remember, discipleship is going to let you know more and more how much you loved, even if you're an ugly preacher. Going to let you know how much you loved. And therefore, when you realize how much he loves you, the maturity of that is going to drive out fear. And you're going to be able to witness with power, power that comes not willing it up, but God giving you the power to do it. Let's look at the verse we started with as we finish. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people in which we must be saved by it than it be in the name of Jesus. I love you. It's good to see you. I really don't see you, but it's kind of good. It's good to see you through the lens. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. And remember what we say to each other before we leave. Grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. God bless you.